Okay, well, I'd like to start by reading this chapter tonight, and then we have another text that I want to leave, read along with this a little bit later on, but I want to start here anyways, okay? And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba, even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me, that I may know it. And Joab answered, The Lord make his people a hundred times so many as they be. But my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why then doth my lord require this thing? Why, why will he be a cause of, a tr of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Wherefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David. And all they of the house of Israel were a thousand, thousand, and a hundred thousand men that drew sword. And Judah was four hundred, threescore, and ten thousand men that drew the sword. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly, because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose thee, either three years of famine, or three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while that the sword of thine enemies overtaketh thee, or else three days, the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. But let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel. And there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy him. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough, stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered, even I that have sinned and done evil indeed? But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people that they should be plagued. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan took back, uh, turned back and saw the angel and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me 
the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the full price that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ordan said unto David, Take it unto thee. Let my Lord, the king, do that which is good in his eyes. For lo, I give it thee, the oxen also for the burnt, for burnt offerings and the threshing instruments of wood and the wheat for the meat offering, I give it all. And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price, for I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. So David uh, gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel and he put up his sword again into the sheath thereof. At that time when David saw the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. For the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of the burnt offering were at this, that season in the high place at Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid because of the sword of the angel of the Lord. Now, in this text, a great pestilence is sent upon the people of Israel. David had acted in faithlessness and he numbered the people when God just wanted them to just trust the Lord. Yeah. Uh, to us, this might seem to be something very insignificant. And yet, it was clearly contrary to the will of God. And in verse 7, it tells us that God was displeased with this thing, therefore, he smote Israel. And so stop, I want you to stop right there for just a second and ask yourself, who sent this pestilence on Israel, God's people? Was it the devil? Was it some other enemy or adversary? No, it was neither of those, was it? The truth is that it was God that smote Israel in this text. And it was the Lord, it says in verse 14, it was the Lord that sent this pestilence upon Israel. Okay? Now, that's not something that we like to consider, is it? Okay? In fact, we often, we want to attribute most, if not all of our troubles, to the devil and our adversaries. That's the way we work. That's the way we think. We're quick to say, well, look... And look what that awful, vile devil is out there doing right now through this COVID. And look what those communist Chinese did in sending it over here. And look what those Democrats did in, in trying to set this whole thing up, right? We get like that, don't we? In fact, since COVID, and of course, there's nothing new under the sun. What we see here really isn't much different than what we see happening in our country right now. In fact, since COVID has come upon our land here in our beloved America, I have heard Christians suggest uh, that this is a democratic scheme. Um, I've heard Christians suggest that this is basically biological warfare sent by the Communist Chinese Party. 
I've heard many just blame it on that old wicked one, the devil. And you know what? Really, none of those things would surprise me if they had their hand in that and were a part of it. But think about this now. The Democrats, the communists, and the devil, which are very closely united, mind you, <laughs> are not in control of all things, are they? God is the one that is in control. And maybe it's time for us to start to consider that maybe, just maybe, Almighty God has sent this awful pestilence on our land that he might use it to accomplish his good purposes in his people and in our beloved America. We don't like it. But I think it very well may be the truth. And if the Lord has sent a pestilence, maybe we need to ask ourselves why. In our text, verse number 7, the Lord makes it very clear that he smote his people, the people of God, mind you. He smote his people, the people of God, God's chosen Israelites, right? Because they displeased him. That's what it says in verse 7. They displeased him. We might look at what happened and even try to justify David. We might try to justify David and Israel's actions in doing what they did. And, and in our minds, we read through this text and we write it off. Well, that's really no big deal. But the truth is, as we look at this and we really start to think about it, that God sent this plague, he sent this pestilence upon the land and upon this people because they were acting in a way, listen, they were acting in a way that was not pleasing to God. That's the truth. And he was trying to get their attention. And listen, folks, I am sure I am without a doubt that this country has displeased Almighty God by what it has done, what it has stood for over the decades of my life. And I am also assured that the American church as a whole, the people of God that dwell here in America, are not pleasing to a holy, righteous, and just God because the people of God in America have become carnal and worldly and apathetic and lukewarm and faithless and asleep as the coming of Christ approaches. And I can't help but think that if God was displeased with King David, a man who was after the very heart of God, and the people of God, Israel, in this situation, because they acted faithlessly and just counting the people, surely he is also displeased with America and with the churches and the Christians in America as well. I think not only is it possible that our plague is from God, I think it, that it is highly likely that God has sent this thing. Maybe you ought to even examine your life since this has started? What has God done in your life since this started? And I know personally, I'm praying a whole lot more than I was Amen. when it started. God's doing the work. Amen. I think it's highly likely that God sent this thing. Yeah. Because he is not pleased and he's trying to get our attention. That's right. 
In our text, think about this. It was only when David humbled himself and turned again to God calling on his name, listen, that the plague was able to be stayed. It was also at that time that God answered him by fire from heaven upon the altar. Well, that's a thought now, isn't it? I could preach that in itself. And listen, folks, there will be no fire from heaven for a prayerless people. And there will be no healing of a land for a prayerless people. And there is no staying of a plague for a prayerless people. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. Actually, let's, let's start in verse 13. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I can... Again, think about this. God say, I am doing this. If I do this, okay? Or if I send pestilence among the people, if my people, which are called by my name, if you're a Christian tonight, that's your name, called by his name, the name of Christ, right? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's right, Brother Nick. If my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked, displeasing ways, I will hear and I will heal. The problem is oftentimes we don't think our ways are wicked, do they? We don't think our ways are displeasing. We look at David's situation and we say, that's no big deal. But we do the same thing about ourselves as well, and that's why we have a problem. Because we need to see what it, what it is for what it really is. We need to see all the times that, like I talked about this morning, we have chosen God's second best rather than giving God all and wholly following him as God desires in our lives. And does that not displease God when we choose to wander in the wilderness rather than wholly follow God? Certainly it does. God's not happy with a Christian people that just kind of go through the motions and that's it. He wants a people that's on fire for him, amen? amen? I mean, that are wholly following him with everything that they've got. And his promise is if we'll humble ourselves and pray, seek his face, turn from those wicked, those displeasing ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. Not a maybe, I will. It will happen, Christian, if my people pray. You see, the reality is the answer to our mess in our sick country with our sick churches and our sick Christians is that we would humble ourselves and pray like we never have before. That's where the answer lies, Christian. You want an answer to all this that's going on? Go home and get in your knees in your prayer closet. Yes, that's where you're going to find the answer. And granted, you need to continue to be faithful to the house of God and faithful to serve the Lord, but you need to be finding time to get much alone with Jesus at home so that when you come to this house, you're prayed up and you're ready for church. Amen? Amen. I want us, as we consider this thought tonight, this text we look at is just kind of the starting text, but we're going to be looking at this text, this verse in 2 Corinthians 7, 
uh, that we just read, but I also want to read in 2 Corinthians 6, another verse, a set of verses that kind of goes along with this, in verse uh, 24 through 42 of chapter 6 of 2 Chronicles. And I want us to notice, you can think of this even as I'm reading through it here in just a second, I want you to notice that each of these tribulations or trials that are talked about here, in essence, they're a sign from God that's intended for the purpose of turning his people back to himself. And each one, listen folks, each one of these things ought to be a signal, like a flag waving high in the sky, okay? Telling us, Christians, wake up, you gotta pray, you gotta call on your God, amen? You need to pray, you need to pray harder. Each one of these things he mentions, it's just, it's trying to wave that flag high, saying, come on, wake up, see this need, Christian. Because God is trying to, through these things, get his people's attention, that they might seek him with all their heart once again and draw nigh to him, that he might do a work in their midst. Let's read this text, and then we'll look down here at each of these things that is mentioned. Starting in verse number 24 of 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee, and shall return and confess thy name and pray and make supplication before thee in this house, then hear thou from the heavens and forgive the sin of thy people Israel and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest to them and to their fathers. When the heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, and you'll notice the sin against thee repeated over and over and over again. Yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon the land which thou hast given unto thy people for an inheritance. If there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be, then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of any man, were of all thy people Israel, when everyone shall know his own sore and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this house, then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and render unto every man according unto all his ways, whose heart thou knowest. For thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men, that they may fear thee to walk in thy ways, so long as they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. Moreover, concerning the stranger which is not of thy people, but is come from a far country for thy great name's sake, and thy mighty hand, and thy stretched out arm, if they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for, that all people of the earth may know thy name and fear thee, as doth thy people Israel, and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. 
If thy people go out to war against thy, their enemies by the way that thou shalt send them, and they pray unto thee toward this city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them over before their enemies, and they carry them away captives unto a land far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive, and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done amiss, and have dealt wickedly, if they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul, in the land of their captivity, whether they have carried them captives and pray toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers and toward the city, which thou, uh, which thou hast chosen and toward the house, which I have built for thy name. Then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. Now, my God, I beseech thee, thine eyes be, uh, beseech thee, thine eyes be open, and let, let thine ears be attentive unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of of David thy servant. Truly that's a powerful piece of scripture, is it not? But throughout this scripture, we see instruction of what we're to do when these things come upon us. And I want us to look at each one that I see mentioned here, just five things I've kind of summed it up into you that I want us to, to look at tonight. I see, first of all, defeat of enemies. Look with me what it says in verse 24 and 25 of our text. And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee and shall return and confess thy name and pray and make supplication before thee in this house, then hear thou from the heaven and forgive the sin of thy people Israel and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest to them and to their fathers. You know what, folks? Sometimes the people of God, that's what Israel was, right? At that time, they were the people of God. Sometimes the people of God are put to the worst before their foes and they are defeated in their situation because God is trying to get them to turn again to him with all their heart and to pray. You know what this election, election situation that we're in, it's no accident. It is no accident at all. God is trying to get your attention, Christian. Are you listening? Well, I don't know about you. I've been listening, Brother Bill. God is trying to get your attention. He wants us to recognize that we have sinned, that we have not pleased him like we ought to. Uh, and he wants us to humbly confess that and, and to turn again and to seek his face in prayer with all of our hearts, not half-heartedly, but with all of our hearts. And he promises that when we do, he hears and he answers our prayers. 
And it says here, and he gives us again our land. Wouldn't that be good? You see, defeat by an enemy is not time to quit praying, but it is a signal from God to get serious about your prayer life and pray even more. Pray even harder. Pray even more earnestly and more fervently because it's as though God is waving a flag in the air saying, Pray, Christian! Pray! Pray! Pray harder! Because I want to do a work and I'm looking for you to look unto me to work in the midst of this situation. Don't go cry in some corner. Get on your knees and pray, Christian. That's what God wants us to do. Okay, in our distresses, he doesn't want us to give up. He wants us to pray harder, amen? And so we see when the feet of enemies, the answer to that, what? Pray, amen? If my people pray, God can still work. I notice also if there's a dearth in the land. Look what it says in verse 26 through 28. When the heaven is shut up, there is no rain because they have sinned against thee. Yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive their sin, the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel, when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon thy land, which thou hast given unto thy people for an inheritance." And then it says in verse 28, if there be dearth in the land. Think about that. Certainly we've seen dearth and drought in this country, haven't we? The hurricanes have killed all the crops in some circumstances. Drought in other areas has killed all the crops. Fires have consumed much land in other areas. But you know what I believe this speaks not just of physical death, but also uh, physical dearth, but also spiritual Oftentimes, these things go hand in hand. And certainly our country, when you think about the country of America, there has been a dearth and a drought, spiritually speaking, in our country for many, many years. America has been spiritually dying, if we're honest with ourselves. And again, the answer is the same, isn't it? If my people pray and confess and turn, then hear thou from heaven. Right? In Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, the Bible tells us, when God's people will break up that fallow ground and seek the Lord, they can expect him to rain righteousness upon them. The promise of Isaiah 44 verse 3 is that he will pour water on him that is thirsty in floods upon the dry ground. But you know what the prerequisite is that they would be thirsty? That means they've got to seek it. They've got to want it. They've got to desire it. Not just a little bit either. Oh, how many people need to be crying out to God. Listen, God's people must be thirsty enough to seek him. That he may pour out the floods on this dry country of America. They might pour out the floods on these dry churches of America. Oh, would to God that he would step down, amen. Oh, would to God that men would get in the pulpits in America. Men like Elijah, amen. 
Why? Because a man knew how to get a hold of God. Would to God that God's people would be like that. Listen, folks, it's not a signal for us to stop praying. We look at the spiritual dearth in our land. We've got lots of physical dearth as well, but we, like I said, it goes hand in hand with spiritual dearth. We look at what's going on. Boy, if, we're, if our country were to be a picture of something that we could physically see, it would be a desert, spiritually speaking. Because that's what America has become. It's all wickedness. It's all evil. It's all abomination according to God's word. It is a dry, dry place. And we need God to step in and do something. Amen. We need it desperately. We look at that dearth. What should it tell us? We need to pray. We've got to pray. And we've got to keep on praying. And we've got to pray harder and more fervently and more earnestly than we ever have in our Christian lives. My goal and my desire is that God would continue the good work that he is starting in his people to the day of Jesus Christ. Yes, amen. That as we start praying during this year and praying more than we ever have before, if you've not started, may you start and join us at our that he would increase and continue that work in our lives until the day that we see Jesus Christ face to face. Well, I'll tell you what, that would be the way to meet Jesus, won't it? That would, be, that would be the way to meet him and not be ashamed at his coming, amen. amen? Oh, would to God that we would get on our knees and get alone with God and learn how to just get a hold of him again. Because listen, when there's defeat and when there's dirt, it's not the time to give up. It's the time to get to the prayer closet, Christian, and get on your knees and get a hold of God. Amen. Amen. It's a signal from God, but that's what he's telling you needs to be done. And so I see here, defeat of enemies, sign I need to pray. Dearth in the land, sign I need to pray. Then I see destroying pestilences. Look at verse 28 through 31, if you would with me, please. If there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever sore, whatsoever sickness there be, then what prayer, what supplication, soever shall be made of any man or of all thy people Israel, when everyone shall know his own sore and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this house. Then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and render unto every man according unto all his ways, whose heart thou knowest, for thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men, that they may fear thee to walk in thy ways so long as they live in the land which thou gavest unto their fathers. Notice here, he mentions pestilence against man, pestilence against beast, and pestilence against crops. Through bugs, sickness, and disease, right? And again, the reasoning he allows or even sends these things is that we might turn to him with all of our hearts and call on him in prayer. And as verse 30 says, he will render unto every man according to his ways. Why? Because he alone knows a man's heart. 
Nobody else knows your heart, but God does. You might be able to hide it or shield it or act differently before other people, but God really knows what the reality of the situation is in your life like nobody else does, except for, except for you. In other words, you're not going to fool God, are you? He knows the sincerity or the insincerity that is in your heart. And I dare say that the plague will not be stayed for an insincere people. A people just going through the motions of religion. Healing will only come to a repentant, humbled people who sincerely seek his face. And when such people do look to him sincerely in humble reverence and fear, he will hear from heaven. It makes me think of two men in the Bible. There's two kings. Both of these kings were described as good kings. There was King Asa. He was struck down with an awful foot disease. He died with that disease. And the Bible testimony of him was that nevertheless, he sought unto the doctors and not unto the Lord. And then there was King Hezekiah. He was struck down with an evil disease as well. And the Bible tells us that he turned himself towards the wall and he cried out to God. Even after this pronouncement that you're going to die, Hezekiah. And the prophet came back to him and said, no, God's extended your life 15 more years. You know what? Your life is in God's hands. I don't care what pestilence. I don't care what disease. I don't care what it may be. It's in God's hands. And listen, when he sends this stuff our way, it ought to be a flag waving high. Hey, start praying and praying harder. Amen. COVID ought to be nothing more than a flag, a banner waving high for us all to realize. Every day we go out and see somebody masked up, you need to pray. Amen. Every day you go out and you hear about somebody else that catches it, you need to pray. Every time you turn on the news and there's something new concerning the numbers, you need to pray, Christians. Hey, that's the answer. Get on your knees. Don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Pray. That's what God's wanting us to do anyways. He's trying to get a hold of the attention of his people. They've grown so hard-headed and hard-hearted that we haven't even wanted to care to listen to God, let alone seek his face. Good preaching. Oh, may God help us. Listen, we, God's trying to break through, Christians. Well, I know he's broken through in my heart. He's done a work in my heart this year. And I'll tell you what, I know that he's doing that in some others' lives as well. But don't let it stop. Let it continue. Let it grow. Keep on your knees. Keep praying. Keep pressing forward for Christ. And just look for God to do something amazing and something great. Because I believe that's what he's, he's desiring and wanting to do. There are no accidents with God. There's no accident that we're where we're at right now in this country. With all the stuff that's going on. And so listen, when we see defeat, when we see dearth, when we see destroying of pestilence, just realize God's saying pray. Don't you see? I'm waving at you up here. I'm trying to get your attention. Won't you look back to me again? Won't you seek me again with all your heart and all your soul and all your might? Was that not the reason you were created to begin with? Come on now. I'm trying to get your attention. Wake up, church. Right? 
And so he's using these things to try and get a hold of us. And so there's the enemies, the, the defeat of the enemies, the dearth of the land, the destroying of pestilence. I notice also here the distress from adversaries. Look with me, if you would, again at verse 28. And it says here, in verse 28, it says, If their enemies, this is halfway down through the verse, If their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land. That phrase, if the enemies besiege them. That word besiege means to surround or to lay siege to. It doesn't mean they are defeated, but they are under attack, okay? And truly, listen, it seems like here in our country that our country, America, and the Christians of this country are being attacked from multiple angles. We've got the Muslims that would like to destroy us and have another 9-11 all over again. We've got China with that virus. We've got proxy wars with Russia. I never even knew of such a thing until I went to Ukraine and found out that in the Vietnam and Korean Wars, there was Russians fighting behind the scenes on the other side, and they're doing it to this day in multiple places around the world. We've got cyber wars, meaning through the internet, trying to destroy countries with Iran, Russia, and China. We've got some countries trying to cut off our supply lines in certain areas of the world. We also have the Trojan horse of the LGBT agenda and communism that has taken hold within our country and trying to destroy it. Amen. With liberal activist judges that care nothing for the Constitution but pushing their liberal activist agenda. And their unbiblical, ungodly rulings every time they get a chance. Truly, I have no doubt in my mind that Christianity is under attack and under assault here in America and also around the world. And so also is our country, our beloved country of religious liberty and freedom is under attack. The foundations which this country was built upon is under attack because in God we trust, it says, right? It's under siege from within and from without. And the only good answer to all this chaos and to all this mess is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Will heal their land. So don't get discouraged. Listen, God is at work. Just realize he's waving the signal high for us to pray and to pray even harder. Kind of reminds me, this situation of being besieged of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. There had come a great company against his city. They sat around about the city. They besieged that city. And the man had no idea what he was going to do. He couldn't see any, any route to win. 
And the Bible says he cried out to God and he said, Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. That's exactly the way that we need to pray. Is there anything in your power that you can do to fix us? There's nothing that I know of in my power that I can do to fix us. The only thing I can do is get on my knees, humble myself, yes. turn from my wicked ways and look for it, search for it. Don't give up easy because <laughs> we're so prone to justify ourselves wandering in the wilderness when God wants us to possess the promised land. Confess it to God. Tell God that he's not been first place. Tell God you've not loved him like you ought to. Tell God you've not served him like you ought to. And you've not prayed like you ought to. Humble yourself and do that. And repent and just turn to God and seek him with all you've got. And look for him to heal our land. To hear and to heal our land. You see, every one of these things, it's like a flag waving high telling us to pray and to pray harder. The defeat of enemies, the dearth in the land, the destroying pestilence, the distress of adversaries. And lastly, I see here the diverse problems that may occur. The Bible says here in verse 28 also at the end of the verse. It kind of covers everything when it says whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be. Then you look also at verse 38 and 39. And it says... It says, if, uh, if they return to thee with all their heart and all their soul in the land of their captivity, whither thou hast carried them captives and prayed toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers, and toward the city which thou hast chosen, and toward the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. It mentions here now whatsoever sore sickness there be. So basically he says, whatever other problems may come your way, the answer, Christian, is the same. Just humble yourself and get on your knees and pray. Don't pray less. <laughs> pray harder and pray more. Amen. Just seek his face and do so like you never have before in your Christian life. Turn to him with all your heart and look for him to hear and to answer from heaven. Amen. Listen, friend, oftentimes our problems are from the Lord. We don't like to think that way, but these verses make it pretty clear. You look at all this and it talks about over and over and over again if the Lord send it, right? Who's sending all these problems? It's not coming from the devil. It's not coming from their adversaries. Now, granted, God uses the adversaries in certain circumstances. But it's of the Lord. It's coming from God. He's allowing it for a purpose. He's trying to get our attention. We've displeased him. And he wants to get us to seek him with our whole heart once again. So don't blame these things on the devil or the adversaries because often it's from God. And he is just trying to bring us back unto himself once again. And so like I said, don't, don't get discouraged, brethren. God, I believe God is working through all this craziness. God is working, praise God. He's working through all the mess. And he's waving the flag high. Just look to me, Christian. Just 
country. And so pray and pray harder because I'm wanting to work in your midst. And maybe you're here tonight and you're not saved. And you say, preacher, what does all this have to do with me? Well, you know what? God might not be trying to get you to draw closer to him, but he's certainly trying to get your attention. Until a person turns their life over to Christ, every event that is allowed to enter into their life is for the very purpose of directing them to the place where they will trust him and follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The very first person that comes to my mind is King Nebuchadnezzar. Boy, he lifted himself up in pride. He would not acknowledge the God of heaven. And you know what God had to do in that man's life? Turn with me if you would as we finish up tonight. Let's, let's see what happened in this man's life. Because he was unwilling to turn his life over to God. Now God got a hold of him eventually, but it took a whole lot of stuff for God to bring him through before he got there. And I wouldn't want to have to do that. Daniel chapter number 4. And verse 31 through 37. Actually, starting verse 30. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the power of the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling place dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. And seven times, meaning seven years, shall pass over thee, until thou knowest that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was a thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men and did eat grass as an oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like the bird's claws. At the end of the days of Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, listen to this, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding returned unto me and I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and my brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways, judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Wow. What did God have to do in his life before he was finally willing to turn to God and acknowledge the God of heaven as his God? And you know what? God will do the same in any man's life that's unwilling to turn his life over to Christ and trust him as Savior. Let's finish there. As we all stand to our feet tonight, we don't have a pianist. 
So we're going to have a, an altar call. If the Lord has spoken to your heart tonight, would you humble yourself and pray, Christian? That was what the message was about tonight. We need to be a people of prayer. The altar is open. We don't need to pray less. We need to pray more. Amen. And so if the Lord has spoken to your heart tonight, you come to this old-fashioned altar and call on the Lord in prayer. Maybe you want to just call and ask him to heal our land. Maybe you have someone specific on your heart that you want to pray for. Maybe you specifically want to pray for yourself that God will help you to be the man or the woman of prayer that you ought to be. The altar is open. If the Lord has spoken to your heart, you come and pray tonight.